Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. Welcome, everybody, to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. I'm Mike Carter, your host for the evening as we trip the live fantastic. I'm truly sorry for those having to listen to me and not getting the silky smooth tones and delivery of Christopher Torres. Torres will be back next week, and I cannot wait. Carlos is working this evening, but I'm thinking about my two partners in crime and hoping to be reunited with them in the podcast sphere very soon. For those of you listening, hope you've all had a great day, and we're going to jump right in with a very special guest. Tonight, I'm pleased to welcome one of my best friends in the industry, Dave Funnel. Dave is a unbelievable writer and a great resource on Twitter for all things interrelated, but he does much more than that. And I want to introduce you guys to him in a little bit different way than maybe what you've known Dave of before. Dave and I started working together several years back during the pandemic at the Roto Fanatic site, and we've stayed friends since then. Dave is one of the kindest and most loyal people that I've run across in the fantasy baseball industry, and I'm really pleased to have him working with me at Fantrax right now, dialing up the daily injury report that is a treasure trove of information if you've not held it so far. I use it daily, and you should too. Dave also works at Prospects 1500 and at Pitcher List. In his free time, Dave teaches kindergarten, so he's used to my childish antics and the childish antics. <laughs> Childish antics of other people that he runs across on Twitter. Dave, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. That 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 was quite the intro. I'm honored to be here. And your kind words really just, I don't know. It was, it was amazing. I appreciate everything you've said, everything you've done. And I'm just really happy to be here. Isn't it funny, though, like when you think about, it feels like we've known each other way longer than just like the last three years, doesn't it? Like it, I don't know. I've always felt like when we've had our conversations, and for those of you that are listening, Dave and I talk almost daily, I would say, on mm. not on Twitter, but via text message and whatnot, and kind of run things past each other, different things that we're thinking about with our teams. And Dave is this really cerebral guy, so I really like to get his perspective on moves that I'm thinking about making, and he's also brutally honest, so he's very helpful to me in that regard. Um, but it feels like we've known each other longer than those three years going back to Rotofanatic, which seems like it was like, a long time ago. So really glad that you're able to be with me tonight and kind of go through this evening. It's been kind of a crazy week in baseball so far. Yeah. And like you said, we've known each other for years, but it does feel like a lot more than that because every day it's something and it's like, Hey, what do you think about this guy? Or, Hey, did you see that guy? And it's just, I don't know. You call me cerebral, but you're, you're my common sense. That's funny. These outlandish ideas. And you're like, Dave, what are you doing? No, no, no. Yeah. Just, just, just do it or just don't do it or something like that. Come back to us, Dave. As I'm as I'm closing the door in my office in the principal's office to be able to text you during the course of the day. So, <laughs> anyhow, anyhow, that's just part of the day. I just want everyone to know that I am very serious about education and educating the mentally ill children of the six county area of Chicago, outside of Chicago. And I do take that very seriously. But I do take a little bit of time here and there to text Dave usually about six o'clock in the morning and see what he thinks about my latest idea and what I have going on. So Dave, let's yeah. jump right in. Let's jump right in. I know okay. that you, you're, you're talking a lot about injuries and, and people have really been following your work and picking up on what you're doing, but to start off with, just to kind of get us warmed up, 
who's one player that you have rostered right now that you're really pleasantly surprised with? Um, if I had to go with one, just one player that I have right now that I'm I'm pleasantly surprised with, it's uh, it's Cabrian Hayes. Uh, I know he talked in the offseason about how high I was on him, and I felt like I was the only one. But I felt like if he had just elevated that ball a little bit, that he would have, because he hits the ball so hard, he hits it all over the place. And I'm looking at his stat cast page right now, and there's a lot of red, which is a lot of good stuff. And even though the average right now is, isn't there, it's 234, he's, he's been good as of late, and he's hitting extra base hits. So I kind of feel like if he can do what Yandy Diaz is doing this year, we could see maybe up to Yandy Diaz type production right now. The power's there. He wants to steal 30 bases, so there's there's a 20-30 bat in there somewhere. So I, I'm pretty happy with him. Knock on wood, I'm knocking on wood right now. That's a really interesting comp with the NDS, and I, I think that's one of the strengths that you have is I always listen to you in terms of the comps that you have for a guy because I struggle with that concept of, like, Brian Hayes to me is sort of like this weird unicorn, right? Like, I can't really figure out what his power is if he's going to hit more than 10 or 12 home runs a year. We know that he's going to steal bases, but he seems like he's got another level there. I don't know if he gets there this year, but it seems like that's really there for him. And and so I've always been really intrigued by your love of him. I, that goes back a long way. You've been talking about him a long time. So he's he is a really special player, and I think he's somebody that can really develop. I, on the other hand, have been very pleasantly surprised with Joey Gallo. Mm. Now, when I was doing GLARF and I was doing TGFBI and I was communicating with you about both of those drafts, you had reminded me not to forget about Gallo, and I kind of had. And when I looked at it from an outside perspective, I saw the $11 million contract and figured that he was going to get some playing time because Minnesota doesn't like give out contracts to guys that they're not going to use. And he's been a pleasant surprise so far. I don't know if you can see my shirt, Dave. I know that the fans at home can't really see it, but I have a T-shirt on right now that says hmm. 2022 MLB season that was made by my friend, my good friend, David Fitzgerald, out of Yonkers, New York, who's a diehard Yankee fan and an obnoxious Yankee fan. He makes Torres look calm. And on this T-shirt, for those of you, obviously you can't see it because we don't post a video of this, but it has a, a picture of Aaron Judge, and underneath it, it says 62 home runs. And next to him, it has a picture of Joy Gallo. And underneath that, it says 55 hits. So obviously, the, the pun here is that Judge had more home runs than Gallo had hits. Yeah. And I've been trying to explain to my friend Dave Fitzgerald, who's a, a great guy and lives out in New, in New York, that the Gallo actually has value, not only in our fantasy baseball game, but to a real baseball team as well. And he refuses to accept my plea. So it's been mm -hmm. a really interesting thing. So last night I told Dave that I was going to wear this shirt tonight when we were doing the podcast and that I was going to yeah. thank him and, and, and bring it up. And I told him that I was going to say that he was from Piscataway. And he said if I said that he was from Piscataway and not from New York, that he was going to say that I was born and raised in Indiana. So therefore, Dave wins. Touche. Dave, thank <laughs> you for the t-shirt. It's wonderful. I love it. I love that I walk around in Batavia where I live and nobody knows what the hell it means. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. But I've been really, really happy with Gallo. I mean, he obviously, he's hit some home runs. He's been playing. I'm not expecting a high batting average there, but I think for where I got him, the value that he's providing has been really good so far. And I think he's going to continue to play, don't you? Yeah, I mean, like like you said, Minnesota, they don't just throw out money to just keep people on the bench. He's going to play, and he's going to play a lot. And 
hits the ball hard. He's already got how many home runs does he have? He's got what, six, seven home runs already. I believe so. Yeah, I didn't yeah, see. He's, he's already uh, got eleven hits. I think it is. So he's already twenty percent of the way there from last year. So he's going to exceed last year by far. But no, no, I he'll play. They'll, they'll keep him there. And it's maybe it's the small town that he likes. The uh, it's not the uh, the big lights that he kind of didn't really do well with. So I don't know. I'd stick with them, and I think you made a good choice. Yeah, I, and I didn't take him in a place where I thought, you know, it was a huge risk. I mean, if you take him as your fourth or fifth outfielder, I think in that situation, hoping for the best, you're going to be okay. So moving on, we were talking a little bit about Brian Hayes. So let's talk about his teammate, who's going to be his teammate now for the next eight years, Brian Reynolds. Um, what did you think about that contract, Dave? I know you, you posted on Twitter that you thought it was wonderful. I'm wondering if you could elaborate on that a little bit. I liked it for a couple of reasons. I liked that Pittsburgh is paying their players and they're spending the money on people they believe with. So I thought it was good for baseball because a small town team is is going to be paying someone that earned it. It was a pretty good deal for both sides. Pretty team friendly deal. But they're keeping someone that they know, keeping someone that they believe in. And it kind of it speaks volumes for the rest of the team going forward because I really like them going forward. I think I mentioned to you once about a month ago or something in just some context we were having. It was just, I like their youth. I like their direction. And if they could just spend a little bit more and keep this group together, I think there's a lot of potential because I like their farm system as well. So you get like someone like Reynolds, you've got Cruz, who hopefully next year will come back and be solid as ever. And you just build with what they have and you build with what they they're going to have in their farm system and you're keeping it all together. You're showing the fans that you do believe you do have a vision. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good for baseball and it could show other teams that if you do something like this, you can build towards something pretty good. Absolutely. They, they've got some left-handed hitters that can put a hurt on you too. The White Sox learned that. I mean, the White Sox are learning that every city they go to, they're getting destroyed. But when they, when they were in Pittsburgh a couple of weeks back, they got smoked pretty good by their left-handed hitting. That was the series that Cruz was hurt in in the collision at home plate. But he'll be back. You know, I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. I think he'll be mm. he'll be back strong and, and continue to do what he's been doing. But I love the Reynolds contract as well. And kind of riff off of what you were saying, I really like, and I, maybe this is the old man in me, but I really like the idea of guys sticking with teams for a while. And when I think about money, I know that, you know, MLBPA is probably going to be on him about taking a, a deal that was less market value than what he probably could have gotten on the open market, right? I mean, this is Brian Reynolds, who's, you know, one of the top 10 or 12 outfielders in the game. I would think most people would probably agree to that. Maybe 20. Yeah. I would say 10 or 12, but most people, you know, might rank him a little lower than that. He's good. He's good. Just, yeah, yeah, he's really good. Mm-hmm. But at the, at the same time, I look at that and I think, wow, if he plays out the entire contract, he's got $107 million that he didn't have yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. So he's got generational wealth for his family, for his kids, for his kids' kids, and probably for his kids' kids' kids, right? So I get to a point where I guess as being school teachers like you and I are, like how much money does one person really need? I get the idea of the $500 million contract for Otani. And so I get that with the market value, but at the same time, it's like, okay, you sign a team-friendly deal, you allow the team to be able to spend money in other places, go for it. It's all good, you know? 
So I'm really happy that he's sticking with the with the Pirates, although he'd look really good on the White Sox. Just about anybody would look better than what the White Sox are putting out there right now. So <laughs> anyway, so moving on from Brian Reynolds, I wanted to talk a little bit about a couple of bullpen arms before we get to injury stuff that we have planned for the night. And as I write about bullpens for fan tracks, I wanted to point out a couple of people that I think are, are definitely worth some speculation right now. And, and some of this won't be new. For those of you who follow... Alex Fast, you know, he's been all over Yenier Cano for Baltimore. But one of the things that I don't know that people know about him, he's Cuban. He was signed as a 25-year-old free agent by the Twins, who then included him in the the Jorge Lopez trade, which looks more disastrous by the day for the Twins. But he made a mechanical tweak this offseason that really kind of helped him out. He's got a three-quarter arm slot, which you know how those guys go, Dave. They can always kind of get wild and command can always be an issue. But he was really working on keeping that front shoulder closed. And in doing a little bit of research before the podcast, I found out that he, at times, has 39 inches of drop on his sinker at 95 miles an hour. I mean, what do you do with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin. If I had one of my 11 or 12-year-old kids come up to me and say, what do I do? I would say, just hope it goes out of the zone. Like, I don't even think <laughs> you can swing, swing at it, right? But Cano has yet to be scored on in Baltimore. And you talk about a team that's doing things the right way, like you talked about with Pittsburgh a little bit ago, when Baltimore's really looking like they've got something good brewing there with uh, bringing Rutschman up last year and that thing really changed the entire game for them. I mean, their level of seriousness and preparation just went through the roof. So I'm sort of a closet Baltimore Orioles fan, I guess, right now. But Cano is somebody, if you're looking for an arm to add that might be cheap, I'm not saying he's going to be the closer. They obviously have Felix Bautista, but... If you're in a league where holds count, Cano is a guy that you might really want to take a look at. Dave and I were also talking off air about the Kansas City situation. And Scott Barlow, who had a lot of helium under him this offseason, has been looking a little bit shaky. And the person that was brought in in the offseason as sort of a speculative pick and a reclamation project in order to trade a role with Chapman all of a sudden looks fantastic. Dave, any thoughts on that Kansas City situation? I know that you don't cover bullpens, but any thoughts on what you're seeing there? Yeah, it, it's really interesting what's going on there. Um, I do think the the end game for whatever they do is to trade away Chapman. So I think they want to showcase him. They want to show that he still does have it. He's he's still as good as he ever was, and he's shown it so far this year. I mean, he's just been unbelievable. Uh, and I think at the end of the day. I think I think Barlow will be the closer at the end of the year, but I think until then it could be not necessarily a 50-50 split, but enough to showcase Chapman to eventually be someone that they can trade and get as much as they can in return. Uh, I know we were talking about places he could go to, but that, that's something we can talk about later, but he, he'd probably look good in New York with those Mets as a nice way to say hello to those Yankees. But I, I do think it's been incredible to see, uh, you know, Chapman and some of the pitchers there. They, they're they starting to turn things around as a franchise, mm-hmm. uh, as an organization on how they do, how they approach pitching. And I know it has to do with the new manager that's there, that, that he probably has a big influence on it. And I think Chapman's one of the biggest beneficiaries so far. Yeah, Matt Quattraro looks like he's doing a pretty nice job in Kansas City, although the results haven't been great so far, but... They're, they're working on it. There's a reason why they didn't hire Pedro Grafal, who's the White Sox manager. I guess I have to stop trashing the White Sox, but it's really hard to not do that when they're 7 and eight, seven and 18 as we speak right now uh, with 
no hope <laughs> as, <laughs> as we speak. I agree with you. I think they're, they're really highlighting Chapman to be able to try to trade him. I don't know what they'll get for him. I don't know how long that can last. I know this afternoon he did have sort of a, a typical Chapman outing when he's struggling, but the, the velocity is there. He's two miles an hour faster on his fastball than what he's been. The slider's back up to 88. He looks like he might have found something there again. So I guess we'll have to see what happens there with him. We know that he's prone to, uh, you know, injury and, and straining himself, also prone to infections from tattoos. So we'll have to see what happens with a role this in Kansas City. And, and much like, uh, much like, sorry, much like Gallo too, it's like a smaller city. It's a smaller area. So maybe with less pressure on him to perform, maybe that's kind of helping out too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, maybe that Kansas City barbecue is really infused, you know, so good stuff, <laughs> good stuff there. Before we get into the injuries, I, I wanted to talk real quickly too about three, three potential save candidates that might be flying a little bit under the radar right now. For those of you that are listening and, and know that the work that I do on fan tracks for looking at saves and looking at bullpens. A couple of people, they won't be surprises to you because I've been talking about them in my weekly piece for some time now. Brandon Hughes came off the IL in Chicago this past week, and the closer situation in Chicago has been ineffective with Brad Boxberger and Michael Fulmer. It looks like Hughes might be able to get thrown back into that mix. If you have an opportunity to add him and stash him somewhere, I would suggest that you do. I don't think that Chicago is sold on Boxberger or Fulmer as their closer right now. They do have some options there, but Hughes might be the best of the bunch. Also, going down to Houston, Ryan Presley has struggled, although he's looking like he's coming through it right now. But Brian Abreu is a guy that I've been high on for a couple of years now. High strikeout rate, big volume of strikeouts there for him. And he's been getting eighth inning leverage work, which speaks volumes in Houston with the way that Dusty Baker manages bullpen. So he's clearly trusting Abreu more in those higher leverage roles. And if Presley continues to struggle, you know, Abreu could jump into that. They do have Montero and Neris there. Dusty seems to prefer Neris to Montero right now, but that can always change as we know. Speaking of Presley, Dave, is there anything there going on injury-wise with him? I mean, I know he had a couple of nagging injuries last year where he missed some time and he is getting a little bit older. Do you know if there's anything wrong with him injury-wise there? I haven't seen anything regarding him. The Astros have been pretty quiet with him. And I was actually pretty surprised this last weekend that Abreu got not just two saves, but two, was it two save opportunities back-to-back, which is pretty rare, I thought, because he wasn't even, you know, in 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 command. Like, he wasn't going to be the second in command. He was, he's usually their third, third choice. So maybe there is something like an underlying issue that we just don't know about with Presley. Cause I know he had some neck issues last year and he had something else. It might've been a knee or something, but it could just be some wear and tear too after a long season and they want to give him an extended break, but I haven't seen anything injury wise, but Abreu is one of my favorites. I I've, I love this guy and I think the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, he's legit. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I just, I had Ryan Presley in a couple of different leagues and I've rostered him in those places. And I thought he was fairly worry free, although I did, I do worry about the injury bug a little bit with him, but I think he'll come around. I think what you're saying is right on. He knows what he needs to do to be able to be ready for when the bell really rings. And 
It's a long season. My guess is by the time they get to the playoffs that the Astros will be in the mix of it and Presley will be closing. But Abreu does represent a guy who has upside there, especially with the strikeouts. He, even if he doesn't get save opportunity, he's still got value as mm-hmm. a, a, re- a relief option on a lot of teams, depending on your league and the format. And the last guy that I wanted to bring up really, too, was Miguel Castro down in Arizona. The situation in Arizona has been kind of fraught with peril all year. A lot of people at the beginning of the season thought it was going to be Scott McGuff. He got off to kind of a rough start, no pun intended. And Andrew Chafin, who they had signed at the last part of spring training, has gotten three saves down there. And it looks to be the preferred option right now. Although manager Tori Lavulo has claimed that he will play the hot hand and play matchups and look at it as a committee. If that's the situation, a guy like Miguel Castro could really have some value especially on a low fab bid, if nobody's really taking a liking to him. He's a guy that you might be able to stash for a couple of weeks and see how things ride out in Arizona. Okay, well, I just wanted to riff on those bullpens for a little bit, but now we really want to get to the things that are Dave's bread and butter. Um, Injuries, and God knows, boy, we've had enough injury news to last us a lifetime these first three weeks, haven't we, Dave? Oh, it's it's insane. There's some mornings where I'm typing this and I'm it's it's depressing. I'm I've got few leagues thinking like, okay, what do I do in this league now? What do I do here? And it's just it's nonstop, nonstop. And uh but it's important to keep up. You, you gotta know who's coming back, when they're coming back, and what their role might be. So I wanna let our listeners know too that what you do, the labor of love that you have with injuries goes back for you a ways. But for those of you that are listening, Dave is a guy that is up at like four o'clock in the morning, Eastern time to like start compiling these things and put them out on Twitter for you on a daily basis. And so it's an incredible trove of information, but it's also an incredible amount of work. And so if you're not following Dave on Twitter, Dave, tell them where they can find you so that they can follow you and get this really great information on a daily basis. Oh, thanks. It's it's okay. So I'll, I'll spell it out because it's 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 a little bit different, but it's S P O R T Z underscore N U T T five one at Twitter, and yeah, the Sports Nut, and uh, just follow me. And every like I like like I said, every day I'll be putting out some injury reports and even doing some prospect injury reports if I can as well every couple of weeks. That is a lot of work, and hopefully, when the kindergarten season is over, you can cover the injuries and the the minor league prospect guys that we all are craving as well. So Dave, <laughs> jumping right in, the, one of the big names that everybody's kind of waiting on is Bryce Harper. There's been a lot of talk about him returning and beating the timeline on the Tommy John surgery, but then him also returning to play first base in Philadelphia. What are you hearing on Harper? Okay, so it's it's an incredible, like, I don't, I don't know if people understand how incredible this really is uh, for him to be back as soon as he is likely going to be. Usually this takes about eight to nine months, but he's on pace right now to beat. I remember when Otani had Tommy John, he's on pace to beat it by one and a half months. Otani did it in seven months. Harper would be about five and a half. So uh, he's, he's done every, everything that has been asked of him. He's taken dry swings. He's, he's been working ground balls. He's been doing everything and uh, he might not even need a rehab assignment which is insane to think of right now and he's just started to throw from 60 feet so it's simply incredible right now what's going on with him i think he's going to get he's going to get reevaluated in a couple weeks and then they're going to figure out from there whether or not he actually does need a rehab or not 
and he could be their first baseman within the middle of May right now. It's Dave. Dave, how's it possible that I know Harper is a, is a freakish athlete and an amazing hitter, but how could he even think about coming back without a rehab assignment? I mean, Tim Anderson has a soft tissue injury and he's got to go on a rehab assignment, even though the season just started. Like, how does that happen? I don't, I don't know. And I know one of the big issues they have right now is him being able to slide. They have to figure a way for him to slide because, you know, if you're sliding with your arm, it's going to get hurt. So right. That, that might actually be the most incredible part is that that's the biggest hurdle they have right now is how's he going to slide? Because he was just taking batting practice with Ranger Suarez the other day and he was hitting bombs out of there. Uh, he's doing everything. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I was, I was, I'm a very conservative player, so I'm thinking mid-July is when he'll be back. And the fact that he might be ready in the beginning of May is just, it blows my mind. You know, what's funny was that when we were down at the uh, in the AFL, when we were down there for the uh, first pitch Arizona stuff, I participated in a 12-team draft. And I took him in the first round, even though he was having the, it was right as they were contemplating what the surgery was going to be. And my hunch, and I, I don't, I don't play hunches a lot, just because you know there's no money in it. <laughs> but I looked at it and I thought, you know, if there's anybody that's on this field that could come back really early and and be ridiculous with it, it it's Harper because the guy just wants to play, yeah. right? He's a former catcher. He came up as a catcher, right? Like he's a guy that is he's a warrior. He wants to play. And so I thought, well, you know, if anybody can do it, he'll beat the timeline. And I took him in the first round and people were kind of snickering and scoffing, which they should be. There's no doubt about it. But I thought, you know, my guess is that it's going to be way before the All-Star break. That still remains to be seen, but it looks like he's well on his way. I mean, it is remarkable, folks. I mean, like, it's like a six-month turnaround from Tommy John surgery. That's unheard of. It's insane. But I remember, I remember you mentioning that too. And you, you were adamant that, you know, this guy isn't, this guy is just, he's out of this world. So he's just a different cat, you know, just a different yeah. kind of guy. So yeah. speaking of different kinds of guys too, the diminutive Jose Altuve, hearing a little bit that he's ahead of schedule in Houston with his injury. What are you getting on him? Yeah. So apparently he's, he is ahead of schedule. There's a lot of flexibility and movement in his thumb right now, which is a very good sign. He's going to have some imaging done in a couple of weeks to see exactly where he is and where he's going to go. And they'll have a better sense of a timeline. I mean, he hasn't yet swung a bat or thrown or gripped a baseball. So he does have that hurdle still to do. But he should beat out the 60-day IL that they decided not to put him on. He definitely should beat that. So we'll find out in a couple of weeks exactly what's going on. But it was very promising news that he is ahead of schedule yeah i need him really badly i have him in a, a dynasty league and i don't have any other options i i have uh hensley but he's not playing second base he's DHing, so he doesn't have second base eligibility so it's killing me not mm. having having altuve there plus he's outstanding so anyway i hope that he's back soon i mean it was a kind of a freakish injury and you don't ever like see those things with superstars so hopefully yeah. he beats, beats that timeline back and he's back to being productive for houston and it might you might still have that window right now to buy buy low on him. If, you know, still going to be a couple weeks until we find out, you know what, he is going to be back ahead of schedule. So if you want to take advantage in the next week or so, see what you can get for him. See what you can uh, see if you can buy low. And then for sure, as soon as, I don't know, maybe June, maybe. 
And that would be great. I hope that that's the case, considering that it's the end of April now, which is hard to believe. But yeah, that would yeah. be wonderful if he's back sooner than that. Next guy that we have on our list is Brandon Woodruff, who everybody was drafting early on in the season because of the fact that he doesn't get injured. And now he has something called a subscapular strain in his shoulder. Dave, what does that mean? And what are we doing with him? I mean, are, are you holding on to him for now? It's it's tricky. So it's a, it's a small muscle. Uh, it's like a front shoulder pain. So if you're like reaching for your seatbelt sort of thing. So it's, it's very hard to overcome. Uh, and they want him to be, the team wants him to be symptom free before he even throws a ball. There's a potential for a long timeline for recovery. He's been examined and re-examined and they want to make sure what the, like, they want to know exactly what needs to be done before they actually do it. Uh, he was adamant himself that he needs to take his time. He needs to make sure that it's, everything is okay. He doesn't want to rush it. He did say too, he gave the, if this was later in the year, I'd probably be shut down. Right. Right. So it's, it's going to be an extended injury. I've heard these injuries take anywhere from four to 12 weeks. And that's a pretty long, uh, that's a pretty long timeline and it's pretty vague, but it shows the extent of what it could be. So if we're thinking about keeping or dropping, if you have an IL spot, I would definitely stash him. If you don't have an IL spot, it's, I would wait a little bit longer until we find something more definitive because of that wide timeline of four to 12 weeks. He could be back soon. It's not looking like he is. And Mm -hmm. pretty adamant that he's going to take his time on this. Yeah. As well. We should. I mean, he's a star pitcher in the league and he's never really had this type of an injury before. So I guess we kind of have to wait and see how that all plays out for him. Hoping that he's back soon. I, I don't think that he's going to be. And I'm stuck with him in a couple of places where I'm trying to determine what my best bet would be. If there's somebody on the waiver wire that I think might be good addition, I probably will drop him this weekend would be my guess. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough, tough thing. And I wonder too, if he saw, wasn't it with Corbin Burns and the arbitration process last year of all the, I wonder if he sees that and knows that this team might come at him with some stuff. Oh, you're not healthy or you rushed back or you did this. So I think he's got to put himself first for this one because I think he's got one arbitration period left and then it's uh, free agency. So the, the payday is coming, right? So yeah. speaking of large paydays, our friend Giancarlo Stanton, I know it's shocking, but he had another soft tissue injury. <laughs> when, can, when, when can we expect him back, Dave? Uh, he, he was set to be out four to six weeks. So it was a grade two hamstring. So it was a partial tear. Uh, it's been cr- pretty quiet about him uh, over the last week or so, but he's been shut down from doing anything. And right now, whenever you have a grade two ham- hamstring train, it's just, you just need rest and, and just put some ice on it. And just, it's a lot of rest and making sure everything gets itself ready. And then you can actually use the muscle again, but it's, so kinda, it's been pretty quiet. So kind of like me when I cut the grass right like after i get done i gotta ice everything down and just kind of take some time off you know yeah you, you don't want to use the trimmer right away you gotta no that. you gotta do that the right way like i i was talking to jack carter the other day about this my son and i was telling him like you know this is going to become your job and he is really not interested and even for even for money i tried to lowball him with a ten dollar a week offer and he said no I'm like wow he's a pretty smart kid it's a lot of work so <laughs> Giancarlo, hope he's back soon. I, I have him in a couple of places, which is odd for me. I've not usually rostered him in 
And this year, he kind of, he had a little bit of a drop. And I, and I thought at the price that he was going at, it was very fair. So I have him in a couple of places. So I hope he's back soon. A guy that I have nowhere is Carlos Rodon. Um, the, this injury stuff with him seems like the wash, rinse, repeat that I'm always talking about with people. You know, the washing the hair, rinsing the hair, repeating, doing that over and over again. He had the forearm injury. Then he's got this back injury now. They're talking about maybe a mid-June return for him. What are you thinking about Radon? I am I am all over the fence with this one. I am I I'm leaning one way one day, the other way another day. He yeah, like you said, he's got the forearm strain. He pitched through it last year, which really that's when he said that was something that just really stuck with me that maybe he could actually pitch through it later this year, but I am just, there are so many red flags here that are telling me, don't do it, don't do it, don't fall for it. Uh, yeah, like you said, he's been shut down. He had some back pains, but they did some tests and that now they wanted to do some more tests. They wanted to get a CT scan and and I don't know. I really don't know what's going to go on with Rodon. I, he, could, he could pitch amazingly this year, but will he pitch 100 innings? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. So the upside is huge, but I just don't trust him right now. And I'm a, like I said earlier, I'm a very conservative player. So for him, I think he'll come back. I think he'll pitch well, but I think he's going to get injured again. That's the thing with him, right? I mean, I'm, I'm a Sox fan. So I saw him coming up and it was a third pick overall in the draft when the Sox got him. And he went through years where he was battled ineffectiveness and battled arm injuries and kept coming back and coming back. And then he had the great season for the Sox, and then they let him walk, which I wasn't in disagreement with at the time. Not that anybody cares what I think, but I think the issue with him always is going to be that the upside on him is huge. If you get him in the right six to eight week window, he he could be a difference maker for you down the stretch and help you win playoff games, World Series games, and and things of that nature. Problem is, you just never know when he's going to be available. Yeah, and the stuff is lights out. He just you know he he um, when he's able to pitch, he's terrific. But it's, the problem it's, is, is that he just doesn't have enough time. There's just not enough innings there for you to be able to get the juice that you need for your fantasy team. Yeah, is he the Byron Buxton of pitching? That's a fair comment, right? I mean, the, the talent is unbelievable. I mean, if if Rodon if Rodon were able to be healthy for a full year, you know, he's in the conversation top 10, 12 starter easily. I just couldn't see drafting him this year at that because I just didn't think that you would get we're going to get more than a hundred, maybe one hundred ten innings. I know that everybody who's a smart player change their benchmark, right? The benchmark for us always used to be 180 to 200 innings for a starting pitcher. You're not going to have very many guys that are going to be getting there right now, especially with the way that people use bullpens and especially with how teams are mastering, manipulating the IL. You're not going to see those types of things, right? So issue then is what are you really paying for and where are you getting him? Where you have to draft Carlos Rodon to get him to get his 100 innings, you have to plan for that. I don't plan very effectively for things like that. When I'm drafting pitchers, my benchmark now is 140 to 150 and hoping for more. So if I can get if I can get four or five of those guys, I feel pretty good about where I'm at. But Rodon's never going to really fit that bill for me unless he drops really far, which he never does. I'm just not going to have him. Yeah. And it's I totally agree with what you're saying that that benchmark has to be set lower now for what we're expecting out of pitchers. If we get more then we're getting the elite of the elite or we're getting a lot like a surprise, like a higher than we even wanted. But with, like you said, they're, they're manipulating the ILs. There, there's six man rotations now. Mm-hmm. Going on. Right. And, and with pitching, it's a 15 
day IL minimum as opposed to hitters when it's a 10 day IL. So you lose someone to the IL, they're gone for two weeks. And great point. It's just, yeah, it's, it's hard to overcome that. And if you have, uh, if you don't have unlimited IL spots, then you're making decisions. And a lot of times you're holding a guy like Rodon who will be back in 30 days because of his upside, but you're letting go of players who are either healthy or will be back soon that you could have been able to use. So it's just, it's such a crux. Yeah. And it really, it's a, it's a tough thing, right? I mean, playing fantasy baseball is not for the faint of heart. We all know that. And it can be, especially this year with the number of injuries that we've had, it feels like every day when I read your report on Twitter, I'm cringing, wondering who I lost that night. I don't remember it ever being that way. And I, I'm sure that it has been. I'm sure if we use comparison data that there's been injuries like this before, but it just feels like every day there's five or six people going down. I can't even keep track of it unless I read your reports. So I appreciate the work that you're doing at four o'clock in, in the morning, getting those things done. So Dave, let's talk a couple of quick quick hitters here. Yeah. One one or two sentences on, on guys and yeah. when they're coming back. Let's start with your favorite Canadian pitcher. I do have to point out that Dave is Canadian lives in outside of Toronto and in a wonderful area up there. The big maple, James Paxton. What are you expecting from him? And what the hell is Boston doing with their pitching rotation? <laughs> that We don't have enough time to talk about Boston and their pitching. But as for Paxton, <clears throat> he's going to be making another rehab start. So he should be back soon. And I think that once he comes back, we might see Tanner Houck uh, in the in the bullpen, maybe for multi-inning relief, but after today's struggles at Baltimore, I think Paxton in, Hauk out of the rotation. Interesting. Very interesting. Switching to Cincinnati and, and our favorite Canadian first baseman, Joey Votto, was pulled off of a rehab stint. I thought, mistakenly, that he was being pulled off the rehab stint because he was done. He's not done. What's going on with him? Yeah, he admitted that he was rushing his return. He just wanted to come back and he knew he wasn't ready, so uh, he was pulled off of that, and they're just going to take it slowly with him because he's 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 getting up there, and he can't recover the way he used to. It's funny, and I know I know he's thirty nine, and I sit here as I am about to turn fifty this summer. I look at that and I say, God, I wish I was thirty nine. But mm. Joey Votto's a, na- a national treasure, and both in Canada and the United States. And I hope that he's back soon, and I hope that he's able to hit for some power and do some great things because. He's just a great guy to be able to root for and and yeah. and watch when you're you know watching the games on the weekends and whatnot. Staying in Ohio, going a little bit north. What about Tristan McKenzie? Well, I mean, with him, he's start. He's going to throw a bullpen in about a week or so, and he hasn't really done much since. They're taking it really slow with him, as they should. But he'll start throwing a bullpen in a week, and then we'll see from there if he can maybe get back in games after a rehab. Could I be fabbing him at this point? He's free in a couple of my leagues. Uh, yes, I think <laughs> I think so. I'd like to see how he is with this bullpen first, though. Just yeah, to... I'm very intrigued. I, I thought about doing it last week, but I already have Liam Hendricks in a couple of those places where I stashed him, mm-hmm. and I just don't feel great about stashing injured arms, just based on the volatility that you have in those NFBC leagues, right? So you got to be really mindful of that as I've yeah, you got to really the hard way pick your battles. Uh, switching over to Minnesota, Tenta Maeda has been kind of hit or miss so far for Minnesota. What are you seeing with him? Well, I think it was today he had an 
an elbow injury. He gave up 10 runs, I think, today or something like that. It was insane. Oh, that, that's good to hear. That's yeah, good. that's what you want to hear. But was he's going to have an MRI on his right elbow tomorrow, so we'll see there. But if he misses any time, I would be picking up Bailey Ober. That's your guy. You've you've been talking about Bailey Ober for like 18 months straight. Yeah, I, I, I did a deep dive on him at uh, Prospects 1500 a few years ago, and uh, I just fell in love with just what he was doing and how he delivers the ball. So he's been great, and he, he had a great spring, great in in the minors this year, and he had a pretty solid return last week, so or a few days ago. So, yeah. For sure, for sure. I mean, I, I think there's another guy that if he's healthy, he has a lot of value that you can get, and he's almost free in a lot of leagues. So yeah. it's a really interesting guy to watch. Heading out to Oakland in California, who – are not going to be Oakland very much longer, right? Ramon Laureano, a guy that, you know, historically has been able to provide double-digit home runs and double-digit stolen bases, albeit not with a great average. What's his injury situation? Well, he's he's apparently healing really quickly, even better than they thought he would. Uh, he's running around, and I think he ran the bases today, and he's able to come back, I think, on the 29th. So, Maybe this weekend, he might be back by this weekend. So something to keep an eye on for that or early next week. I would definitely be looking at him. Yeah, for sure. He's a he's another guy that always seems to fly under the radar, I think, in a lot of leagues. But he's he's definitely a valuable guy. If you're, if you're in a, a five outfielder league, you could do a heck of a lot worse than having him as your fourth or fifth guy, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, and the last quick hitter here, Dave, you Darvish, who has the hamstring injury. What are you hearing about him and how much time he's going to miss? He's looking like he's going to start this Sunday. I don't think he's going to miss a start. It was more of a cramp, I think, in the game. So he's in line to start this Sunday, and it's looking like he will. Well, that's good news. I I don't really need any more injuries in any of my teams. So yeah, <laughs> Dave, we're kind of headed end of our time here together. But I I wanted to ask you another question that has nothing to do with baseball or fantasy baseball. You are living in. The great greatest country in the world, Canada, I would say. Who is the best Canadian band ever? I think it's the Tragically Hip and the band. Those are my two favorites. But who do you think is the best Canadian band ever and why? I I've got a few, but ever, ever, that's a huge question. But I, I do like Arcade Fire. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. One of their first albums. I think I've heard it. I can't even count how many times I've heard it. And I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna name a band. You tell me if you've heard it. Metric. Have you heard Metric? Oh yeah, for sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do like Metric a lot too. Of all time, that's that's a good one. I'll, I'll stick with my my Arcade Fire for now, though. And I tell you, I I saw the Arcade Fire a couple of times. I saw them in 2011 in Chicago, mm. and they were the headlining act. And the band, the National, was the opening act for them. And they that was a great, great show. That was right after they had done what's the name of their first record, Funeral. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's by far their best record, in my opinion. But man, mm-hmm. they were really, they were really going for it. What a great live band to see. They had, I mean, 12, 13, 14 people on stage at any one time, just trading instruments and just really going for it. It was really fun to see. They're a great band. Good good choice. Thanks. Yeah, I know that. And that sounds like a great call. I haven't seen them live, but that's one that I would love to see. I try to go I try to go to five or six shows a year live down in the city. I mean, I'm really lucky living outside of Chicago. We have a lot of venues there that bring in quality people. And so my daughter Ellie and I will try to go to shows or go to festivals. We got Lollapalooza, obviously. We've 
Also got another one called the Pitchfork Music Festival that's pretty popular that I've been to a couple of times with her. So yeah, we try to we try to get into our bands here, but I was like able and lucky enough to be able to see the Tragically Hip and the band earlier on in my life. So fantastic stuff there and the Arcade Fire as well. Dave, if you've listened to us a few times, I know you have, and you've been on a few times as well. One thing that we kind of like to do at the end of our podcast is something we call the Mental Health Minute. And Chris Torres and I are both actively involved in the community of, of mental health, working with students and, and clients who have mental health troubles. I'd like to ask you, if you don't mind, you know, what's what's something that you're doing right now to take care of yourself? You know, spring's getting going. We're at the end of April now. The weather's starting to warm up and schedules are starting to ramp up for our kids and for the people around us. What's something that you're doing to take care of yourself right now? Um, it's It's so important to take care of yourself and give yourself some time just for you. It's it's one thing to be, you know, your family man, your professional man, whatever you are, but you got to take care of yourself as well. And one thing that I absolutely love to do to take care of myself is just I get on my bike and I just go. I will just go wherever the wind will take me, wherever the wind will tell me not to go and it's just <laughs> like it's just hours. And for me, if I can just do that and have that time to myself, I put on some music or I'll put on some podcasts much like this one. And I will just, I will just listen. And the next thing I know, I've been gone for two hours and it's, I feel great afterwards. My, my body feels rejuvenated. My legs are like pounding. It's just, it's, it's a phenomenal feeling, but it also refreshes me up here as well. Yes. It gives me that time forget about you know what's going on here or what's going on at work or what's going on anywhere else it just gives me that time oh good i can think about baseball right now or i can listen to an album that i've wanted to hear and it's just i feel refreshed so that's that's awesome i love it that's awesome and i I know how busy of a guy you are you know you've got your full-time job teaching kindergarten you're married you've got kids at home that need you and 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 need you to be there for them on a daily basis. And it's really easy to get lost in all of that, right? As men in the world, as women in the world, anybody who's who's navigating a number of different things, it's really easy to not put yourself at the front. You know, the, the saying always goes that you, as you get older, you have to learn to separate the wheat from the chaff. You know, there's a, I live in a community that was based on farming for many, many years. And there's a lot of old farmers that live around here. They go to McDonald's and have coffee in the morning and hang out. And they talk about that all the time, separating the wheat from the chaff. And for me, that's like spending time with the people who matter to you, your friends, like friends like you, being able to talk to you, my friends in the community here, family, going out for a beer on the weekend, whatever, with people, coaching Jack's baseball team. Those are all the things that kind of help me feel connected. Mm. Because I think that one of the things that happens for a lot of people is, we go through life and as things happen, we, we lose that connection. We lose the ability to be able to connect with other people. And one of the reasons why I do the podcast and one of the reasons why I write on the weekends is that helps me feel connected to myself first and foremost, but it also allows me to connect to people that have nothing to do with my daily job. My daily job is incredibly stressful at times. I mean, yeah. you know, last week I had to talk a box cutter out of a kid's hands in the hallway, as I was telling you about, you know, can be incredibly stressful. And it all worked out, folks. I don't want you to think that there was some tragedy. We, we, we figure it out as we kind of go along. But the point of it is, is that it's really easy to become overwhelmed with the demands of the world and really making sure that we're trying to do something to take care of ourselves. You know, I get up on Saturday morning about six 
and I crank out my bullpen piece in usually an hour or two, and I've got some type of a donut or a roll and a really fresh pot of coffee, and that is like my little slice of heaven. And and for for me, that's for me. But everybody has to have their own thing, whether that be going out on the bike like Dave does and going riding, or whether that be going for a walk or going for a dinner with your spouse or your partner or spending a little bit of extra time with your kids, whatever that might be. You know, I think the important thing to remember is that tomorrow is never guaranteed to any of us. You know, I remind my coworkers all the time as I tell them to take Outlook off of their phone and not look at their email when they're at home. You know, if if you die, not to sound morbid, but if you die on Monday, you'd be buried by Friday and I'll have a replacement for you on Monday. So work, work isn't the most important thing. It's not the be all and end all. It is important for a lot of us, but being able to connect with people similar to the way that I've been able to connect with you over the course of the last few years to me, is like a real blessing. And so I wanted to make sure that I pointed that out to people. I, I'm going to get off my soapbox now because it's time to wrap up the, the the podcast, but something that you really need to be able to do to look inside of yourself and take care of yourself. Please really make sure you're putting yourself first. As we get at the end of April into the beginning of May, things don't get easier. They don't get simpler. So please just make sure that you're doing things to take care of yourself. And I speak for Chris when I say this. I speak for Carlos when I say this. I know that I also speak for Dave as well, that if you have a need, DM us. We're wide open. It's what I do yeah. for a living. I love talking about that kind of stuff. You're not alone. So please reach out to people around you and and stay connected with folks. So with that, Dave, I'd like to give you another opportunity to talk a little bit about what you got going on with your work right now. Plug what you have going on and let people know where they can find you. Your Twitter handle is almost as bad as mine, but not quite. <laughs> Yeah, when I have to spell it out, maybe it's, I don't know if it's time to change it, but uh, I'll, I'll keep it for now, but you're you're not wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, anyone can find me on Twitter, and, and like Mike said, reach out, DM anything, anytime. My DMs are always open for anything. Uh, but yeah, I am at S-P-O-R-T-Z underscore N-U-T-T-5-1 on Twitter. I do this, the injury report, every morning should be out and the i've been working on the prospect injury report every couple weeks i'm also at pitcher list doing catchers to stream every couple weeks and i'm doing the twins over at prospects 1500 and other than that i'm just a family man a working man and uh a lucky man so <laughs> for sure that, that makes me too so for those of you that are not following dave make sure that you change that his injury report and and his other work is fantastic too but the injury report is extremely useful especially as you go to make fab decisions whether you're in an nfbc league or whether you're in a home league whatever it might be it's really valuable information i'm mike carter i'm signing off here on the fantasy baseball beat thank you again for joining us and thanks to dave for being on with us we'll be back next week talking about i think the oakland athletics which might be a very very brief conversation (laughs) about their fantasy prospects and what's going on there but we thank you for joining us again the fantasy baseball beat with mike carter and thanks to dave funnel for joining us tonight thank you and have a great rest of your week